Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hello. I'm Tom Cunningham and I lead the UK financial officers practice in London for Hydric and Struggles. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Anish Batlaw, Managing Director at General Atlantic. Anish has spent the last 30 years building high-performing management teams at public and private companies. He joined General Atlantic in 2015 to lead their human capital efforts in support of their global portfolio companies. His responsibilities include the development of management teams, board of directors and executive compensation. Previously, Anish held roles at PepsiCo, Microsoft, Novartis and TPG Capital. In 2021, Anish was named one of the outstanding 50 Asian Americans in business, an award given by the Asian American Business Development Centre. Anish, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Tom. It's always so wonderful to have a conversation with you. Delighted to be here. So, Anish, can you start by telling our listeners more about your role at General Atlantic? My role at GA is fairly simple. I coach and help our CEOs develop their leadership capabilities and also help them build a talent strategy and, importantly, support them in developing a talent platform that allows the company to attract the right talent and also develop internal people to play even bigger roles and have a more lasting impact on the business. And I've always been impressed with the approach to um, developing a talent management strategy. So can you, can you tell us a little bit more about GA's approach to, to doing that in order to accelerate the market cap multiple? I would say our talent strategy is really grounded on, on three core uh, elements. The first being uh, help build, develop a management team that has the ability to create significant value over, over the long term, being four, five years, six years or thereabouts. And second, to create an incentive plan that can effectively align and build the alignment within the management team and, and also between the management team and, and the investors. And the third is, is to support creation of a talent platform or drive the talent density deeper in the organization so that uh, the company has the ability and can produce more and more leaders uh, who, who, who can assume new leadership roles uh, as, as the company requires. Uh, particularly with growth companies, that is incredibly important because as the company scales, they need not just better leadership capability, but they also need to create more leadership capacity. And that means uh, you, you, need, you need more and more leaders to take on bigger and bigger roles in the company. And when you think about the CFO profile, I think you and I both acknowledge that that will vary across the portfolio. But w- what do you consider to be the pivotal criteria often marked up as a must-have for a CFO? I think of CFOs as enterprise-wide leaders. Uh, and there are, there are many CFOs today who are playing that role fabulously well. 
Um, when I think of them, you know, I, I, I see that they've broken away from being the number cruncher or the chief controller and, and have effectively become the strategic player in the business. Um, player who is sought out by their colleagues for advice, uh, who are in very close partnership with the CEOs and, and are respected by their, by their boards. Um, they, they understand how to create value for the company. And, and in order to play that role and to create value more strategically, they've been able to build strong finance teams so, who have then taken over the day-to-day -day management of the function and has allowed them to elevate their game and, and have an impact at a, at a much higher level. And you know, we're, we're coming out of the, the pandemic. Um, we're now in a stage where there's global economic, glo geopolitical challenges uh, ahead. How has that role evolved? How has the CFO role evolved in these circumstances? I, I think it's become even more impactful and even more strategic. Um, yeah, it's, it's really a great question, Tom. You know, when, I, when I think about the business environment today, no one really knows how long or how severe the decline in demand will be. And, and how severe the decline in demand will be segment by segment, market by market. I mean, you hear various numbers being thrown around, um, but but it's 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 almost impossible to predict. You know what what that impact or the decline in demand in each segment, market by market. You know how's how's that going to play out, and it's going to be incumbent upon the CFOs to work closely with the CEOs and their management teams to lay out different scenarios for how the business will operate at various levels of. Uh, distress or recovery of the economy. Um, they will need to understand the assumptions that are being made. They'll need to stress test the scenario planning. Um, and, and in addition, I would say that they, they will need to have a very strong grasp on cash flow and management of the balance sheet, especially in today's times. Um, they need to not only actively engage in the management of expenses, but should be actively looking at opportunities in pricing, management of receivables and payables. They have to stress test with financial viability of the consumers that the company serves. Is the company tapping into opportunities created by rising interest rates to invest their cash wisely? They really need to be all over cash management within the companies. And I would say it's so important for them to help the CEOs and boards, especially in times like today, to create the financial flexibility um, through, through the right defense strategies. And, and that's, that's so important because if they can create the financial flexibility, then the company has the ability to act and is ready to play offense when the opportunity arises. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we're, we're certainly seeing you know, that, that combination of defense and, and offense like capability within the CFO um, and, and something that many of our clients are sort of gravitating towards. Um, interestingly, you talk about this enterprise-wide leader, uh, which again is something that we are seeing more and more of. What are the leadership traits and behaviours that you most value in a CFO? I would say three. First, leadership, right? Their ability to set an agenda and 
and, and influence uh, different stakeholders. They, they need to tell a story to, uh, and, and have an influence and communicate the story with their, with their colleagues first. Certainly, they, they need to provide financial leadership and I would say enterprise-wide leadership to the broader company. They, they need to communicate, influence, align the CEOs, the boards behind the strategy. The second, I would say, is, is ability to think strategically. Help their CEOs build a strategy, help them think about different scenarios and how the company will operate in different scenarios, help the CEOs prioritize their resources effectively. And the third, I would say, their ability to build a team, you know, first build a strong finance team, which has the ability to manage all the basics that are required and to ensure that execution takes place, but, but also work closely with their CHROs and, and others on the management team around developing uh, the, an organization that is more productive and, and more talented than what it was yesterday. And you'll appreciate how active the CFO market has been over the last couple of years. And, and co- as a consequence to that, we have to look much more broadly across ownership structures, industry sectors, next generation talent ready to make that move. And, and part of that is you know, taking those who haven't any private equity experience and want to move into a private equity portfolio company what advice would you give to a corporate CFO looking to make that move? When I think about the environment within, within private equity uh, or, or companies that are backed by private equity capital, I would say typically there is a clear, clear investment thesis. And CFOs, uh, when they enter the company and are outsiders to the company, the first thing they need to do is very quickly ramp up on uh, their understanding of the business model, how value gets created, how value will be created, both on the revenue and the cost side. They, they also need to develop relationships with uh, people across different functions, develop relationships with the CEOs and develop relationships with people much deeper in the organization and get to understand the company uh, that they have joined and understand the culture of the company that they have joined. Beyond that, I would say typically when a CFO joins a company, uh, especially a private equity-backed company and a growth equity-backed company, they'll likely find that infrastructure is, is a bit underdeveloped uh, especially in the context of the ambition of the company. These companies usually seek to create 3x, 4x, 5x the value over the next four to five years. And in that context, the infrastructure can feel underdeveloped, both on talent, processes, systems, data analytics. And so as, as the CFOs come in, they, they'll need to, they need to learn to operate at different levels. They'll need to learn the business model, work closely with the CEOs on having strategic impact on the company at a very high level, but the next moment, they'll probably need to roll up their sleeves and get down to some basic work. They need to get really good at spotting the diamonds in the rough. Growth companies typically do not have the luxury to hire a person who's been there, done that for every level in the company. And so 
the, the ability to hire for potential, the ability to spot potential or the diamond in the rough, as I put it, and then leveraging the talent and coaching the talent and up-leveling up them is critical. So you might find yourself you know, building out a process, a critical core process within the company in controls or in treasury. You might also find that uh, you're having incredibly strategic conversations with the CEO and with the investors. And at the same time, you've, you've got to move down and, and, and coach a high potential but early in the career uh, athlete. Uh, in order to play a bigger role. Uh, capital typically clocks at a pretty fast rate, and it's incredibly exciting to, to see the value that gets created, the disruption that the company is, is poised to cause in a more traditional space, but uh, it does require the person to flex and uh, be able to operate both strategically and, and very tactically at time uh, with a team that needs to be developed. Anish, thank you for making the time to speak with us today. Uh, I know our listeners will be highly appreciative, as uh, I am. Thank you. Of course, Tom. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.